And so now, here is where the story gets super interesting. In early January of this year, Luckin announced the pricing of a new offering of $400 million in convertible notes and ended up raising just over $1 billion in just a few short days. Uh, and then the smoking gun. Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement with your favorite host, Andrew Berkowitz. Today, it's just you and me because I want to deep dive into what's going on with Luckin Coffee. And because it's such a controversial topic, I haven't been able to get anyone super close to the situation to actually come on the show and speak about it. But I've been diving down this rabbit hole over the past week preparing this episode for you. And so let's just get right into things. So Luckin Coffee has been touted in the media for a couple years now as China's Starbucks. Uh, they started trading on NASDAQ on May 12th, 2019. And this was just 18 months after its founding by Lu Zhengyao, uh, also known as Charles Lu, and Jenny Zia Qian, which, by the way, Qian literally translates to money, and Zia translates to rule Asia, uh, which I thought was pretty funny. And they raised about $570 million from their initial public offering. And at the time, Luckin had about 2,400 stores in 28 Chinese cities and reported a 2018 net loss of $241 million on just $125 million in sales. And basically, their whole story during the IPO was that they've kept coffee prices low, they've offered coupons, and they've undercut Starbucks with the goal of quickly gaining market share. And so that makes sense as long as it's a short-term strategy. And so fast forward now to July 2019, they now have grown to 3,000 stores in 40 Chinese cities, and announced their first international partnership with Kuwait-based Americana Group to set up coffee retail businesses in Middle East and India. And so the Americana Group runs about 1,900 franchises across the Middle East for brands like KFC, Red Lobster, Olive Garden, Krispy Kreme. And so this makes sense to me. I mean, if Luckin's going to be a popular brand in China, it makes sense why they would see success in the Middle East and India region. And then in September 2019, Luckin Coffee announced a partnership with uh, the international commodity merchant Louis Dreyfus Company. And so they're one of the world's biggest crop merchants, and they plan to launch a not-from-concentrate juice business with Luckin. And I actually didn't know this, but apparently China is the fastest-growing not-from-concentrate juice market in the world, uh, specifically for orange and apple juice. And so again, this partnership made sense because Luckin and LDC can partner on the NFC market and can use the distribution network that Luckin had built with its stores to basically launch a sustainably developed, not from concentrate juice drink to the Chinese consumer. And Luckin also announced in September of last year that they were going to start offering tea drinks as well, uh, which at the end of the day is a much bigger market opportunity in China than coffee is. In 2019, coffee was about a $14 billion industry, while tea was about a $22.4 billion industry in China. And then as of November 11th, 2019, Luckin officially had as many locations in China as Starbucks did. And so, you know, 2019 was seemingly a fantastic year for the fast-growing coffee brand. They basically went from zero to Starbucks in just two and a half years. And so now here is where the story gets super interesting. In early January of this year, Luckin announced the pricing of a new offering of $400 million in convertible notes and ended up raising just over $1 billion in just a few short days. Uh, and then the smoking gun. Rather, five smoking guns, actually. So on January 31st, 
Luckin Coffee Stock plunged about 26% after the short-selling shop Money Waters Research uh, said that it was shorting Luckin shares after receiving an 89-page anonymous report that accused Luckin of fraud. And so an interesting note here is that Citron Research, which is another infamous short seller um, that actually was the one that put out the pretty damning report on Jumia last year, basically publicly came out and said there's nothing to this report, and they completely defended Luckin. And so let me just read some of this report to you guys. And it's basically broken down into two different parts. Part one is the fraud, where they have five pieces of smoking gun evidence and six red flags. And then part two goes down into their fundamentally broken business model, uh, which has five different flaws in the approach to the market. And so the first paragraph of this report says, when Luck and Coffee went public in May 2019, it was a fundamentally broken business that was attempting to instill the culture of drinking coffee into Chinese consumers through cutthroat discounts and free coffee giveaways. Right after its $645 million IPO, the company had evolved into a fraud by fabricating financial and operating numbers starting in Q3 of 2019. And so here are the five different smoking gun evidences that are presented. The first is that the number of items per store per day was inflated by at least 69% in 2019 Q3 and 88% in Q4. And this was supported by 11,260 hours of store traffic video where this group mobilized 92 full-time and 1,400 part-time staff on the ground to actually run surveillance in the store which I guess exposed that the numbers reported from these stores didn't line up with the actual store traffic video. The smoking gun evidence number two was that Luckin's items per order had declined from 1.38 in Q2 2019 to 1.14 in Q4. For the smoking gun evidence number three, they gathered 25,843 customer receipts and found that Luckin actually inflated its net selling price per item by at least 12.3% to artificially sustain the business model. In number four, a third-party media tracking showed that Luckin overstated its 2019 Q3 advertising expenses by over 150%. And then finally, Luckin's revenue contribution from quote-unquote other products was only about 6% in Q3 2019, representing nearly 400% inflation, as shown by the receipts mentioned before. And so I'll directly link the report in the show notes below, um, but it's 89 pages, and it's pretty damning when it comes to the actual proof presented here. But when it first came out, it took about a week for Luckin to deny this through a press release. And basically the way they denied it was to identify each smoking gun evidence and just say that they did an internal audit and that proved it was false. And so it doesn't seem like a proper third-party audit was done at the time. So in the months following that is when lawsuits started to come in. The first came from Brager, Eagle, and Squire PC, which is based in the U.S. and a nationally recognized shareholder rights law firm. And then another law firm, Zhang Investor Law, which is an international law firm. And so all of these lawsuits started to brew during the month of March. And then it all came crashing down on April 2nd when shares of Luckin Coffee plunged 80% in early trading after the company disclosed in a regulatory filing with the SEC that its board had formed a committee to look into accounting irregularities 
And Luckin said in that filing that beginning in the second quarter of 2019, right after the IPO, uh, Chief Operating Officer Jian Liu and several of his direct reports started to engage in fabricating certain transactions. And they disclosed that the fabricated transactions amounted to about $310 million from Q2 to Q4 of 2019. And so in the following 30 days, trading in Luckin stock was halted. The Luckin CEO and COO were fired. And on Friday, June 26, Luckin was delisted from NASDAQ. And so here's what's super interesting. You know, after all those things happen, you would expect the stock to just go away and just go to zero. But now it's training on the over-the-counter market, and the stock has more than doubled in the past few weeks. And so the main reason for that is it seems like a lot of investors that still have stock are expecting that Luckin will at least try to go private because there's still value in the brand that they have and the distribution network of stores that they have. And so as I'm recording this about an hour ago now, Luckin announced they're appointing a new CEO and board chair, and we'll see what happens. And so I guess the question here is what lessons are there to be learned from this? I mean, for me, it's pretty obvious that one of them is that NASDAQ needs to be uh, much more scrupulous about auditing Chinese companies that want to list. I think that the Silicon Valley venture capital ethos of growth at all cost is seriously poisonous. But also, I think this does go to show that categories in China, specifically that are traditionally dominated by some foreign brands or Western brands, are not necessarily that far out of reach from um, ambitious domestic brands. And so I do want to finish this episode off with another example of a coffee company that does have the potential to challenge Starbucks in the Southeast Asia region. And that's Kopi Kenangan, which is an Indonesian coffee startup that Sequoia Capital, the famed venture capital that is known to breed unicorns, has just successfully led its Series B funding round. Uh, they raised about $109 million in early May. And so the founders of Kopi Kenangan saw an opportunity to basically bridge the gap between local street vendors that sell instant coffee from street-side bicycles for maybe 50 cents and higher-end upscale cafes like Starbucks, which is very popular among the affluent millennials in Indonesia. But for the average Indonesian who earns about $15 per day, it's completely out of reach. But now that a lot of Indonesian millennials are starting to return home, they're bringing a new wave of coffee culture to Indonesia. And so Kopi Kenangan is a tech-savvy cafe that is focused on serving high-quality but affordable coffee. And they're trying to be right in the middle between Starbucks and the street-side vendors. And so they were growing at a rate of about one new shop per day before the coronavirus kind of put a damper on this growth. But according to their founder and CTO, uh, their business saw a sudden shift in their customers' purchasing behavior from dine-in to online delivery. And this started in about March of this year when Indonesia went into lockdown. But since then, they've been investing in their technology platform, and they were able to successfully raise their Series B in May and are now planning on expanding across the Southeast Asia region to Thailand, the Philippines, and Malaysia, which, by the way, that expansion plan is pretty insightful when it comes to which markets in Southeast Asia are most similar to Indonesia in terms of consumer spending habits and the coffee cultures that are emerging in the region. And so even though the coronavirus put a damper on Kopi Kenangan's expansion plans, uh, their competitor for coffee 
was crippled by the coronavirus and had to completely sell off its assets. So I believe that Kopi Kanangan is a startup to watch. And I believe now with Luck and Coffee getting delisted from NASDAQ, uh, Kopi might just become the new Asia region's coffee darling and become someone that is seriously able to take on Starbucks in the Asian region. So that's all for now. Let me know what you think on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at the Wits Carlton. I hope to hear from you guys there. But that's all for now. Take care.